the Mind Talks podcast. You're with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Our special guest today is a powerlifter. She has represented Great Britain on numerous occasions and is a two-time British powerlifting champion. She is also a British and European deadlift record holder, deadlifting 235 kilograms. Additionally, she is a personal trainer and according to one of her clients, is encouraging and patient. A warm welcome to Temi Nuga. Nice, nice welcome and thank you for coming on, Temi. Hey guys, how are you doing? Yes, good, good, good. Um, for me personally, I'm looking forward to this. Main reason why I'm looking forward to this is you were the first powerlifter on and it's, it's going to be really interesting. Admittedly, I don't know too much about powerlifting, but I did do some due diligence before we came, before I came on, um, just to make sure that I am not incredibly ignorant, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's going to be ed- educational to us, but at the same time, we know with any type of sport or exercise, it takes a lot in the mind, and that's why we, we thought it'd be great to have you on this podcast. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. So let's take it all the way back to me. So your first living memory of a sport, either playing or watching? Athletics, definitely. Um, I was generation um, Marion Jones. So I was like my first obsession. And it's one of those things that, you know, once you fall in love with an athlete, you find out everything about them. And that's pretty much how I got into track and field. So... Was it just Marion Jones or was there other athletes that stood out to you? No, it's just, just Marion Jones. She was amazing. She used to just fly and it was just great. You know, obviously as I went into the sport and I took part a lot longer, it was athletes like Dwayne Chambers, um, Maurice Green, Alison Felix, um, those kind of athletes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marion Jones for me... As I said, when I was younger, I think I've said it on previous podcast, it was her start. I used to absolutely love her start from when she start really low. And then when she gets to the 50, 60 metre line, she's there and she's standing straight. For me, it's just honestly the most incredible thing I've seen. There are some female athletes now that, you know, have a brilliant stance. I think Elaine, Elaine Thompson's has uh, got a wicked, wicked, wicked technique. I love her technique, but for me, Marion Jones is uh, my personal favourite. So yeah, we're definitely, definitely on the same wavelength, Temi. So um, you spoke about track and field. So Marion, jo- would you say your, your first foot into track and field was, was sports day in, in school or was it actually yeah. at a club? Yeah. No, it was definitely sports day like most um, British kids. And then my mum was like, what sport would you like to do? And I was like, well, I'm really fast. I'm beating all the boys. I want to be a runner. I want to be a sprinter. Um, I went to London Heathside because I live in Camden. Um, And then um, we went to London Heathside. We went to Highgate Harriers and we were trying to decide which one we wanted to go to. I actually ended up in Highgate Harriers because it's literally two seconds from where I live. And then as I developed, I went to London Heathside and then from Le- London Heathside to Lee Valley. So you know how it is in track and field. You kind of just follow the good coaches and wherever the good coaches are is generally where you go. But yeah, I definitely started at Sports Day. And how did you feel being in that environment with other people that were probably as fast as you? Um, I'm a very competitive person. Like 
my mum would make, you know, doing the dishes a competition, doing your schoolwork a competition. So to me, I loved it. Um, I couldn't complain. It was nice. You, you know, what's amazing about training with other athletes is that you feel the need to step up. You know, you train that little bit harder. You get up, especially when it's cold, it's wet, it's miserable. But you know you're going to meet other great people and that drives you to kind of get down there, especially when you can't drive and everything is. Back in those days, it was Silverlink <laughs> and Silverlink never reliable. So, mm-hmm. you know. What was your first wake-up call um, joining a, a team? What, what was that first wake-up call that you can actually remember? Um, getting beaten. That's definitely it. When you, you know, you you go from beating everybody and beating all the boys and then you see somebody that's, you know, you always see that person, you're like, oh, I've got them. They can't beat me. And they destroy you. And you kind of just have to sit there and think, what just happened to me? You know, that was definitely my wake up call. Because when I saw this girl, she was extremely petite. Um, let's use that word. And I've always been powerful. So I was like, oh, I've got this. When she turned around and just looked at me and smiled, I was like, oh, <laughs> it hurt differently. Yeah. <laughs> How did you prepare for race days? Did you have a thing that you did usually or was every race day different? Every race day was different for me. Um, I was one of those athletes that I would listen to what other athletes, you know, that came before me would do and you would try and implement that. But you kind of find your own routine and what works for you. Um, I'm quite quiet um, when I'm competing. I go with it into myself. Um, don't talk to me. Don't even look at me. Um, I don't want to smile. So I'm one of those athletes. And it's actually um, completely different now in powerlifting. Training. So what type of trainer were you? Were you somebody that was just part of the training setup or were you somebody that actually looked forward to training every day and was consciously always enjoying it? Athletics didn't pay. And if you know anything about athletics, it's a horrible sport because you give it your all, your blood, your sweat, your tears, and then you're just average. So I, for you to kind of push it and continuously show up, you must have some kind of love and some passion for it. And I wanted to be the best. And it's one of those sports that it's a leveler. Like, you don't care. You can train as hard as you want. You can do all the things you want to do, and you're still average. And I was one of those athletes that would show up. I'd be the first person there. I'd be the last person there. But I was still average. And I think that's what kind of ended the sport for me. I was sick and tired of being average. (laughs) I I, I totally understand how you feel because... (laughs) probably been in the same position myself and it's one of those like when you when you want to be the best and it comes to a point when you realize i can't be the best and you you're not the type of person that's just there to take part it comes to a point when you have to make a decision is this something because like you said athletics doesn't pay it doesn't pay that well you have to be at the top like the best to earn and any... that's one or two yeah exactly so um i can i can imagine how you felt so w- when you decided to um stop athletics Did you know exactly what you wanted to do next? No, I felt really lost. And I think the thing that a lot of people don't realise is that's who you are. You know, everybody sees you as, oh, are you going to go to the Olympics? The first thing they always say to you is, are you going to go to the Olympics? Oh, how's training? And you kind of get lost. And I tried so many different sports trying to find that buzz. 
And I've never found that buzz. Even in powerlifting, I've never found that buzz. But I'm definitely not in love with athletics anymore. What are the three biggest things that you learned from athletics? Discipline. Patience. And drugs are real. <laughs> okay, can you explain each of them briefly, please? <laughs> um, discipline. You know... You have to be disciplined. Like I was at uni, I was at school and I'd have to show up and I'd have to train and I was tired and it was raining and it was snowing, but you show up, you have to be disciplined because nobody forces you to be there. Mm. In theory, in athletics, you pay, right? You pay your subs, you know, you pay for your kit, you pay for everything. Um, so you have to be, if you really want it, you've got to be disciplined. And I was quite lucky to be around some great coaches, some great athletes that I saw were disciplined and I wanted to be just like them. Um, patience, uh, especially with injury, trying to rush coming back, mm. um, understanding that Rome wasn't built in a day yeah. and, you know, just trusting the process and trusting your coach and trusting in the bigger picture. Mm. And drugs are real. Um, I seem to think a lot of people think like people are just, you know, just running these times clean. It's like, no, like it is real. Remember, Marion Jones never failed a drug test. Dwayne Chambers, in theory, never failed a drug test until all that stuff happened, you know, with um, samples being sent, you know. Yeah. want to say that sports is a level playing field, but it never is. But you definitely need to have talent. You definitely need to have hard work, which a lot of athletes do. Did you ever train with um, anyone that you suspected might be be doubling? I'll be the fifth. I'm a marathon in here. I think that says it all. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um so after you, you know, after you made that decision, moving on from track, what was the next sport that you entered into? So after athletics, I tried CrossFit and I was good because I'm, I'm powerful, but I can't swim and I'm not great at gymnastics. So what's the point of doing that if I can't be the best? So I kind of put that to the side. <laughs> um, and then I tried rugby. Awesome at that. Um, played for Harlequins, played for Richmond. Wow. And then I got tackled from the back. And, you know, you're not meant to tackle from the back, yeah. especially when you don't have the ball. Yeah. Um, and the fear of God came into me, like you can really get injured. And that's what pretty much called it a day for me, that reality of you could seriously get injured. Um, and then after that, I tried um, bodybuilding. And I really didn't like it. I actually had a panic attack before I went onto the stage. I don't like things that it's either you win or you, you don't. It's one of the bodybuilding is very subjective, right? Yeah. It's, you know, that coach likes that coach or that judge has a problem with your coach. So they don't like you automatically. And it was just too political for me. And I just didn't like being stared at. I really felt like cattle and I absolutely respect people that can do that, but it's just, it wasn't the sport for me. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to try weightlifting. And I went into Bethnal Green Weightlifting Club and I said, oh, I want to be a weightlifter. And the weightlifting coach looked at me and was like, not with those hips, not with that, those ankles, you're stiff. Mm. And I got really upset and I was going to walk out. And the powerlifting coach was like, 
have you ever tried powerlifting? And I was like, what's powerlifting? And, you know, we tried it out and I was like, oh, I could be good at this. And I said to him, I remember saying to him, you know, I've been, I'm good at every single sport. There's not a sport I'm not good at, but I'm great at nothing. And I would want to be great at something. And he goes, are you ready to work? And I was like, yeah. And the rest is history. (laughs) That's incredible. It says a lot about your mindset. So in terms of powerlifting, what changes did you need to make? None, none at all, because athletics is a power based sports. Every single sport has translated into one another, right? So it's just transferable skills, but I had to learn how to squat. So, you know, going from a sprinter squat, which is like a partial squat, to a powerlifting squat, which, you know, your hip crease must go parallel to your knee, so it must go deeper than your knee. I was like, whoa, you know, this is actually really hard. And then you have to follow commands. You can't just get under the bar and squat. You have to listen to commands and respond to the commands. Um, But, you know, I was blessed to have a great coach that was patient, that, you know, could understand that I had mobility issues. I am stiff like a brick. And he was just really patient and really kind to me. Um, We really focused on my mobility. I was really disciplined with my stretches going to hot yoga and things like that. And, you know, before when I first started, we had to use 150 kilos for me to be able to squat to depth. Whereas your average person can just do a bodyweight squat. I couldn't do that. I needed the weight to push me that, you know, deep. I think one of the things that you mentioned that really stands out is stretching and the importance of stretching. And for myself, I've got like a a 20 minute routine of of stretching every day. I was watching a podcast and it just explained just how important it is. And one of the things that I wish in hindsight that I did take more seriously was stretching. I can remember (laughs) being in my teens and just, you know, going football training. And then they always tell you in the first 10 minutes to stretch. No one's really stretching. No one's really stretching their hamstrings. It's just, you're looking around, you're talking to your friends, you're talking about what happened at football the previous week, etc. And that was when I was young. So if there are any young listeners... Um, that are that you know maybe 15 16 or a little bit older can you just explain to them the importance of stretching um movement is life right yeah so the stiffer you are the harder movement is and don't think about today think about five ten years time i'll give you an example i couldn't move properly i couldn't um bend down without feeling pain in my lower back and my hips just simply because i've trained for 26 years consistently Mm. right and never focused on mobility in athletics it's a little bit different because you do hurdle drills which forces you to be mobile but as soon as you took that out of the equation I just got stronger and stronger and the stronger I got the more issues I got because being too extreme of being extreme in any way in any direction is terrible so you don't want to be hypermobile and you don't want to be too stiff so I would always say to somebody, respect your body because it will come back and hurt you if, it, if you don't. And it, it does prevent injuries. And I never listened, but trust me, I'm paying for it now. So if they want to be stiff like me and uncomfortable and in pain a lot of the time, then they should, shouldn't stretch. But if they want to be able to sit down comfortably 
be able to just turn to the left or turn to the right without feeling a sharp pain going through their body. You know, the, the choice is there. The choice is everybody's, isn't it? So. Yeah, that's, that's the advice I should have listened to as I'm in pain right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to, to injuries, um, how, how, how did you react um, during times when you suffered injuries? Interesting question. I'm injured right now. Well, I'm coming back from injury. Um, a few months ago, I was just lifting for fun and um, was lifting. I think it was like 200 or 210 kilos deadlift. And I slipped and I fell backwards and I couldn't move and I couldn't walk. And I was in so much pain. And seeing everybody else training, I got so envious. I got so jealous. And I love what I do, right? I really love it. And I'm really passionate. And one thing about powerlifting is it's a sport for everybody. And they're so supportive. But I was jealous. And I was like almost resentful that everybody else got to train but me. And my coach was like, whose fault is it? You're the idiot. You're the one that took the risk and got injured. So it is what it is. You just have to deal with it. And I sat down and I was like, it's true. So what do I have to do to fix this now? So, you know, coming back from injury now, obviously, is the worst part because my body is probably at 70 to 80 percent, but my mind is nowhere near there. I, I There's that fear. I did a post a few days ago where I deadlifted two, 205 and nobody could tell I was so scared going into that lift yeah. but my coach. Because before, out two or five, what's two or five? Two or five is nothing. Mm. I used to get so excited, you know, I'd be jumping around and, you know, just throw it around. And now I take my time, I'm nervous. But now seeing the other athletes, speaking to the other athletes, them checking up on me, I'm realizing actually, you know what? There's nothing to be jealous of. I've just got to trust the process and trust my body and respect my body. So like I'm doing my rehab, I'm listening to my body. So if it says no, it's no that day. Rather than, you know, what we normally do, we just bullet through and take a few painkillers and we just mask the problem. So I'm actually dealing with the problem rather than just masking it. Are there any other mental therapy methods that are helping you with injuries? Because, again, that's why I love podcasts. I still remember on, it was episode four, and the psychologist, she mentioned about injury trauma and that still sticks out. So is there anything that you're doing to, I don't know, maybe mindfulness, meditation or maybe seeing a counsellor? Is there any other things that you're doing to ensure that you're, you're, you're formally getting over your injury? Um, I am seeing a sports psychologist about it because I'm a deadlifter. So that is my lift. Mm. Uh, it's the lift that I'm known for. It's the lift that I've got my records in. Um, but it's the lift that I'm most fearful of right now. Mm. So I'm, I'm seeing somebody for that. But I'm also used to not talking about my pain because I used to associate talking about your pain with weakness and, you know, make it, it makes it real. Um, and one thing I'm learning about is that it's actually okay to talk about it, but it's how you talk about it and what you plan afterwards, you know, and what you put into, um, what you implement um, that helps. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to take it back to competing competition day. What are the thoughts going through your mind, especially when you're favorite, um, to win? What's the, how, 
what are you thinking at those those moments? Okay, we'll talk about the last British because um, obviously I'm two-time British champion. By God's grace, in four weeks' time, we'll make it three times, right? Yes. Let's... Um, the, the last one, um, I was so nervous. I'm a nervous person by nature, right? Especially if I care about something, I'm nervous about it. And I drop weight really quickly. So we've got weight categories. So I'm in the 84 category. And so you have to be under 84. So um, my coach normally makes me overeat because he knows I'll get so nervous, I'll end up dropping a lot of weight. But we didn't actually have to worry about that because there was something in me that was a bit excited, right? It was rather than nervous this time, I was more excited. And I just wanted to show everybody what I was capable of. And I created an alter ego. And I I swear by alter egos, it's the most amazing thing. I stepped on the platform and I can't remember anything because my alter ego took over. And my alter ego is confident. My alter ego is strong. My alter ego is, you know, disciplined and focused. And I got nine for nine, which means I didn't miss any of my lifts. Um, and I, we didn't struggle for any of my lifts. And the last deadlift, which was 235 kilos, people thought I was either going to faint or just give up. But I didn't because I knew my technique would get me through. And I just held onto the bar. And even the guy behind me came close because he thought I was either going to faint or I'm literally going to drop backwards. And it was my mindset. It was knowing that this is what I do. This is what I'm trained to do. And this is what I love to do. And I want to show everybody on this platform why I'm the best, why I am the champion and why you guys are chasing me. And yeah, it was, it was, it's a great experience. There's nothing like it. So I'm smiling now because <laughs> um, alter ego. So it's something that I've mentioned previously that I'm really interested in because it's, it's, I find it really fascinating how an individual can really separate their themselves, their physical self and kind of create uh, another, I guess, self within self. And it's actually able to to help them progress in, you know, whatever scenario that they're in. So I know some people, they when they even just go into the gym, normally they create this alter ego. As soon as they step into the gym, it's their alter ego. So I, I find it really fascinating. So does your alter ego have a name? Can you talk a little bit about more the birth of the alter ego? Um, have you added characteristics to the alter ego? Have they developed? Have you, Can you just go into a little bit more detail? Because I'm really fascinated about it. You're going to laugh about my alter ego, I'm right? definitely not. <laughs> She's the most amazing woman in the world. Okay. I'm a woman's woman, right? right? The most amazing woman in the world. She should be every woman's role model. She accepts her failures. She accepts her success. She's supportive. And it is named after the GOAT, Serena Williams, which is one of my favourite athletes of all times. And... She embodies everything that I think a female or just an athlete should be. Um, and so, yeah, it, she is named Serena Williams. Um, you can see the difference in me when I'm on the platform. You can actually see it. I'm a lot more intense. Um, I'm naturally goofy. I'm naturally quite shy and reserved. I'm a chatterbox, but I'm also, I doubt myself a lot, just generally. Whereas when I'm on the platform and when... I am Serena Williams. It's completely different. You can't tell me nothing. 
So, yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly. We've, um, because we, the alter ego thing, we've, we've heard a lot of about that. We, we've had a few guests on talk about that alter ego because yeah. it seems like sometimes if you keep yourself in that mindset of, of yourself, you're not able to unleash your true inner being. And the alter ego gives, it's like, it's like it gives an excuse saying this, once this person turns up, no one's beating this person. I don't care who it is. No one's going to beat this person. Yeah. I don't know if this story's true, but um, it just shows how powerful the mind is. And I hope it is true, but it's one of those, you know, tales that has gone through athletics that there was a race with um, Dwayne Chambers and Maurice Green and that um, Maurice Green walked forward and said to Dwayne, I'm going to beat you this much. And he beat him by that much. That's how powerful the mind is. Mm-hmm. Right. The mind is such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And that's why sports psychologists have such a powerful and important job to do with athletes because once you get into somebody's mind that's it it's game over yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and um, i want to speak a little bit about food because i know in terms of for powerlifting that's got to be really important so through the day can you just talk to us about some of the foods that you have um during the day and the importance of those foods what it does for your body and and lastly, I guess, can you just talk about where do you get this information from? Do you have a nutritionist or is this just developed information um, as you have gone on in your career? Um, nutrition's important. Um, the word diet has got such a negative connotation right now. And I don't know why, because diet just simply means what you're consuming, right? So you're either consuming high nutrients, food or low nutrients. There's no such thing as good food or bad food. Food is food. Your body doesn't know any different, right? So I'm slightly different. I don't have to worry about my weight, whereas a lot of athletes have to cut and a lot of athletes have to water cut. So they're slightly different. For me, I eat to make sure that I maintain my body weight. And because I live a very active life, I'm a personal trainer, so I'm up at five in the morning. I don't normally get home till like eight, nine, right? So I'm out all day. So um, for example, um, for breakfast, I will naturally have like my porridge and everything's weighed to um, my macros. Um, So what I need to sustain my weight, um, my energy and everything, it's a, remember food food is simply fuel, right? It's um, so I would have my porridge um, with my scrambled eggs. Um, and then let's say uh, for a snack, I would probably have, let's say, an apple with some peanut butter. Yeah. Um, for lunch, I would generally have pasta, rice or fish. Um, like, for example, tonight I've got a Caesar salad, which has got obviously my carbs, yeah. my proteins and my fat. So I make sure because a lot of us, Apart from like having like fast food, right? We don't have a lot of fats in our diets anymore. Agreed. So like I generally would get my fats from like my cheese, my avocado, things like that. But nutrition is so important. I hate nutrition because you have to calculate. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to eat. Well, if you're not calculating <laughs> what you're eating, how are you going to know where you need to fix or what you need to adjust? Yeah, yeah actually so i always recommend people work with a nutritionist um and not just a personal trainer please do not work with a personal trainer that's just you know i'm a personal trainer right but there's these personal trainers that are jack of all trades and master of none Mm. nutritionists are nutritionists for a reason 
they have to understand everything about food and how food will affect you because the way it affects me it may not affect you that way right so they will take all of that into con- into consideration whereas a personal trainer will be like well i know this is carbohydrates and i know this is protein and i know this is fats and <laughs> not all personal trainers are like that but you know how it is there's always those rogue ones but i would always recommend working with a nutritionist and i'll always recommend doing your research don't just go with everybody because there's a hype don't do that even if you're looking for a coach don't just go because some there's a hype around that person mm. do your research make sure that they know what they're talking about make sure that they can work with you because it's a relationship whether it's your nutritionist whether it's your coach whether it's your physiotherapist it's a relationship and there's that trust and we have a thing that we always say trust the process and if you can't trust their process there's no point working with them 100% when it when it comes to food and it comes to your friends did anyone ever question why you eat what you eat um why you may not do this you may not do that was there any anything like that <laughs> get that all the time i don't drink i don't really party um because i started athletics so young it becomes your life right so you know tuesdays and thursdays and saturdays you're at the track the other days you're at the gym or you're doing your plyos and things like that. So everyone's like, do you want to come out? Oh, no, I've got training tomorrow. Oh, do you want to drink? No, I don't drink. And, you know, people, for some odd reason, when they find out you don't drink, oh. they almost want you to drink. Oh, yeah. oh, tell me don't, get me, don't get me started. <laughs> tell me about <laughs> I get, I get it. Yeah. yeah, so for me, I think, like, especially, like, my family members, they've just given up. My niece and nephew will tell you, auntie said she's going to come, but trust me, auntie's not going to come. They know. <laughs> I'm not going to come. I'm just going to go home, sleep and recover. Yeah, that's a, that's a dedicated athlete's life. Um, with regards to, uh, yeah, that's it, any stigmas. Did you have to overcome any stigmas attached to being a female powerlifter? Um, I will say just being a female that's strong. Okay. Definitely. Um, whether it's powerlifter, weightlifter, and then being a black female. Okay. Like, it's even worse because they always want to call you a monkey. That's it. Oh, or that you you look too aggressive or you look intimidating. And I'm not going to lie. It got me so insecure. Like, I, like, I'm African, right? So you guys know that. Mm. So you know what I'm coming, I'm going to say next. My mom's saying, ah, oh, you look like a man. Or are you going to be able to find a husband? Mm. And, you're you're hard you're like yam you're thinking to yourself like thanks but you know what if you go through my social media on my instagram you see my mom saying how proud she is of me but at home (laughs) saying all these things doing something different so you you know you just learn to deal with it but being honest i know so many women that have eating disorders because of it i know so many women that are insecure because of it but nowadays, it's not women as much anymore. We've got to that point where we're loving being strong, but it's men. Body dysmorphia is really, really real, especially with young men. Yeah. Um, they're seeing a lot of these celebrities that, you know, look shredded. And they're seeing the reaction young girls or just women in general are having towards those celebrities. And they want that themselves. So, you know... Whether it's male or female, it's definitely something that we're all dealing with it in just different formats. 
In powerlifting, what are the, some of the most um, positive things you've picked up from other competitors? Powerlifting is the most amazing sport I've ever done. Like, and no one's paying me to say this, right? <laughs> it's so inclusive. You could be a, a yummy mummy that's never trained before. There's a place for you. You could be somebody that has done every single sport. There's a place for you. Because your only competition is yourself, yeah. right? So you just want your personal best. It's different once you obviously get to the top because you then want to be other people. But even when you're at the top or whether you're at the bottom, people support you exactly the same way. I've had competitors screaming at the top of their lungs for me to get a lift. One of my um, closest competitors, it's always me and her fighting, right? For first and second place. She will message me, are you okay? How are you doing? I hope training is good. You don't get that in other sports. But on game day, it's completely different, right? We ain't no friends. We're on the platform. We do our job. But while still doing our job, we're still, you know, encouraging others. So, yeah, no, powerlifting is amazing for that. Interesting. So when you was talking, I was thinking, okay, so it's quite inclusive. Do you think it's maybe due to the the reduced media coverage it has because what I'm thinking is if comparatively say if we swap powerlifting to football and it's now powerlifting is now the number one sport in the United Kingdom for argument's sake and then you've got all the money being pumped at you and also you've got the media the media coverage so then let's just say Temi, Temi is the British champion and now her, her main rival is now coming for her and it's just, your face is just there on the, the papers all the time. Do you think that's got a part to play that it's more inclusive because, and I don't want to say lack of of, of media coverage because I don't want to be disrespectful, but no, it's just reduced, just reduced, yeah, reduced. No, lack of. Yeah, yeah. No, lack of. no you're 100% lack yeah. of, and you are 100% right. I think, like, I can't disagree with you. It is. I think um, money changes the sport. Um, we've been trying to get into the Olympics since forever. Um, but obviously, weightlifting is in there. So they, they don't want two sports that are very similar. And um, we've also got a lot of different federations, which, and but our federations, IPF, which, you know, they're really big on drug testing. But, you know, drug testing doesn't mean drug free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna fly that in there. I'm gonna fly it right in there. But um, so, you know, um, you're right. If it was football, I don't think that would be as nice. No, because people, money changes people. Yeah. And you know, right now we're very small. We're growing. It's very female dominated right now. It's not like there's so many females in powerlifting and. I think right now we're going through that girl power stage where we're so supportive of one another. Like, you know, there'll be people that will, like, I'll give you an example. Some idiot sent me an email stating why I shouldn't power lift and how it will damage my womb and stop me from mm -hmm. having children and how I will hurt my back. So I did what I did best. I just put it on my social media and put his email there and everybody was like, Thanks, Tammy. We'll deal with this. And they dealt with it. <laughs> mm. And that's one thing that I like about powerlifting is we support each other. But if we were as big as football, yeah, it would definitely change. Because you know how people are with ego. Mm. Ego changes so many things. I did um, 
turf games a few months back or a few weeks. Yeah, a few months back now, yeah. which is like, you know, it's like CrossFit. It's, you know, weightlifters and powerlifters don't like that C word. Yeah. But it was, it's like CrossFit. And the amount of ego, you see people walking around and their head is so big <laughs> and you're like, you're in an outdoor space but your head <laughs> can't fit in the space. Because there's so, such a lot of money being pumped into it right now. Yeah. You know, a lot of these people are influencers. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. So you can see how money completely changes things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My next question is going to be around coaching. So in terms of your relationship with coaches and all the sports that you've had, was there any time when you, your relationship um, impacted the way you perform negatively? Yeah. I had a coach that made me feel so uncomfortable. Um, he basically made a pass at me and I was like, no. Mm. And then decided to make everybody hate me. And I, I've, I, okay. Being honest and transparent, I had daddy issues growing up, right? Yeah. So I, any black man, I felt the need to make them happy, to please them, to be like, you know, um, accept me kind of thing. Yeah. And he knew, he knew that. And he basically took advantage of that. And I was so vulnerable. People at the track used to like pretty much bully me because of what he said. And it wasn't until years later that it happened to somebody else that people then believed me. And I'm like, well, you should, you should know my character. Like I would say, I say what I say and I say it with my chest. I never mix my words. So if I'm telling you like, this guy's not all there and he's not a nice person, believe me. But obviously, you know how it is with sports. Generally, the male is believed until, you know, everybody else starts coming out. So, yeah, and I couldn't perform. Um, I was just miserable. I would cry. And that's one of the reasons why I stopped training at where I was training at the time. What was your biggest lesson that you learned going through that ordeal? Human beings are trash. Generally, human beings are trash. And it's not saying that all people are trash. We're understanding that all of us at one point will do something that hurts somebody else. So I know for a fact I've done something that's hurt somebody else because I can be trash without even realising it. Or I could just make a slight comment that offends somebody else. So even though he really upset me, I'm not angry at him. I don't hate him in any shape or form because I realise that I'm not perfect. So if I'm not perfect, I can't really judge or throw stones at him, but I can just say how he made me feel. Going forward, what what are some of the the biggest things that you're looking to achieve um, in your career? Um, I would like to get sponsored because powerlifting is very political. Like, I would like to get sponsored. I would like more people that look like me to get sponsored, um, to get some work, um, because everybody looks the same right now, apart from we have one person in the UK and one person in America that's holding it down for people that look like me, but everybody else is, they look the same. Um, I would like to be European champion. Um, I know I can never be world champion and I'm okay with that because I will never take performing enhancing drugs. <laughs> I would ne- I'll never do it. Um, so I know there's no chance of me getting there because the gap is, the gap is real. Like 
the woman that's there, she's an amazing athlete. She's so talented. She's so amazing. But I know physically I can't do what she does. If just be me, I would have to be dirty. Um, and I don't want to do that. I've never wanted to be, if I did that, I would have done it for track and field, a sport that I'm in love with, or I was in love with. Um, those are the two things I want to be. I'm already British champion. I want to retain my title. I want to be European champion and keep pushing with my deadlift. Can you explain the difference between powerlifting and weightlifting? So um, powerlifting is less technical. It's still technical, but it's a lot less technical. So it's squat, bench, deadlift, and you have commands um, while you're doing them. So, for example, you will unrack the bar. Yep. They'll watch you, make sure that you're still. They'll tell you to squat. You'll then squat. Then you'll come out of the squat. They'll tell you to rack. You can't move at any point. If you move, then you get red lights. You generally want three white lights. Um, with the bench, it's down, press, rack, or start, press, rack. And then with the deadlift, it's just down. Um, with weightlifting, it's a lot more technical. It takes years to master yeah. these. They're absolutely amazing. Whereas, you know, because we all squat, bench, and deadlift in one variation or other, it's slightly easier for us to transition into that. But with weightlifting, there's two movements. It's the snatch and it's the clean and jerk, okay. um, which is a very two very, very technical movements. So, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question about being a personal trainer. So... In terms of some of the clients that you work with, is there any is there a time when you have to focus more on their mind than focus on actual training? I'll say with majority of people, um, my job is to find out what you need and find out what you want and give you the two. So, for example, I've had clients that are in recovery from cancer. So it's keeping them moving, but giving them the confidence back. I've had yummy mummies that have had children, so they feel like they've lost who they are. So it's about giving them that confidence back. You know, I always say that we're psychologists, right? We like literally, we could be in a training session and you know everything about your client. You know absolutely everything. And it's that trust, number one, but it's giving them the tools to understand how to move. That movement is important but also the tools to kind of, it sounds really weird, but just keep going in life. Like, we're so used to putting everybody else first that we sometimes forget to look after ourselves. And the motto for my business is the first wealth is health, right? If you don't look after yourself, nobody's going to look after you. And that's one thing I think a lot of us have learned during COVID, that your mental health is so, so important and it's so fragile. Absolutely. Can you give any testimonials on any particular clients that have actually taught you something? Maybe it's a life lesson or maybe through something they said or maybe through the relationship you've developed. They may have it may have um, encouraged you to maybe change a part of your, you know, your personal training regime. Do, do you have any testimonials like that? I will say I have the most amazing clients in the world that teach me so much. So I, number one, would undercharge myself because I have like that, you know where I think it's a female thing as well, that we like, we undercut ourselves and we 
think, you know, we shouldn't charge more. And yeah. no, my client was like, oh, hell no. Like, this is what you're charging. And I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, no, but you're worth every single penny. And they've made me realize my worth and that I am worth yeah. what I charge. Um, another one of my clients, I remember like, just the little things like, you know, telling me that I can set up my own business and that I can do it mm. and holding me accountable. So don't just let it in me just like, oh yeah, I can do it. Tammy, have you done it? You know, I'm trying to get into um, presenting, sports present, sports presenting right now. And one of my clients is the reason why I'm doing it. She's like, oh no, no, Tay, you're a character, like you're a straight shooter. And I think you'd be great because we don't have a lot of females in the industry that will say it as it is. And literally, she's we're sitting down and we're going through the process and she's training me and talking me through the whole process of what I would need to do and things that I would need to learn. And it just shows you that even though I said human beings are trash, you know, there's the two sides of the spectrum. Absolutely. We're also amazing and so supportive and so caring. And I always say to people, it's a relationship. I have worked with people that I've said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I don't think we're going to work well together. You know, it's a relationship that it, you can sometimes walk away from. And I'll say never work with a client that you don't want to work with because they can suck your energy. And negative energy robs on positive a lot more than positive on negative. Oh, 100%. This is my last question to you. So what what would you say are your biggest strengths? Um, I'm stubborn. I'm definitely stubborn. I've got last born syndrome. Um, I'm disciplined when I want to be, right? So, yeah, it's very selective <laughs> when I'm disciplined. <laughs> and I would say I'm, I'm now able to be emotionally vulnerable and understand that there's power in being vulnerable and it can help somebody else. Okay. I've got a few more questions. So I really want to pick up on... I guess, a theme that you've been mentioning, <laughs> um, PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. So in, in powerlifting, can you just talk about, um, without the specifics, um, can you just talk about the, I guess, the relationship between the sport and performance enhancing drugs? Is it a big problem? Um, is it still um, murmurs, you know, behind the scenes? Or is it obvious privately but not so obvious publicly. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Um, I'll talk about sports in general because yeah. I'm still in the sport, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like any sport. It's there. Yeah. And you you generally have ideas of who are taking things. Fair play, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's always innocent till proven guilty. And I always say that, like, you know, these athletes get up every day and work out really hard and train really hard and show up. Some just take stuff. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a free will kind of person. Do what you want. I personally say, do what you want. If you want to take drugs, take drugs, but do it in a sport or an event that allows you to do mm. it. So in powerlifting, we have federations that are non-drug tested. So if you want to do that, do that. You know, go there, take all the juice you want, drink everything you want, insert everything you want. Yeah. My problem is when people come into drug-tested federations and then are dirty. Mm. 
we don't know how many there are. We don't know if there's any. You know, it is what it is. It's one of those things you see people's jawline and you just say, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, say no more. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've got another question. So, what are the three biggest changes from the time you first decided to become a powerlifter to becoming a European deadlift record holder? Um, the important, like, mobility. Like, I, I would keep singing mobility, mobility, because yep. mobility should be the... I remember Ryan Giggs saying the reason he played football for so long is because of yoga and Pilates. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mobility is not a joke. Um, so I stretch all the time. I take it very seriously. I probably take it more seriously than my actual training sessions because I know the importance it, it, it pays to my training. Um, I would say... Um, Training alone. Mm. I, I generally enjoy training alone now. Yeah. Right? Whereas before I needed the hype, I needed everybody around me. Now I actually enjoy I train. So at our gym, we have like the golden hour where it's like the old age pensioners that train in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I train with them. Okay. And I learn so much from them. Yeah. And the fact that it's like there's some guys that like in their 70s and 80s still going and still lifting. That's inspiring to me. Um, and the last thing I've learned is, um, and that's changed, is it's okay to say no. Like, have a voice mm. and to stand up for myself. Whereas I was so scared of being stereotyped as the angry black girl or, mm. you know, being confrontational. So I was probably on the other end of the spectrum because I became a people pleaser. Now I've got a voice and I'm like, no. Like, don't take me for an idiot. So those are the things that's probably changed. Okay. Um, can you briefly describe the powerlifting circuit? So what I mean by that is, I don't know, in tennis, you know, you've got the four majors and then you've got, the, you know, the ATP tour as well running alongside that. So can you just talk about, you know, the major events and then also some of the, the semi um, events as well? So powerlifting is very different because there's so many different federations. Remember, we've got different federations that some are drug tested and some aren't drug tested, right? Yeah. So but I will only speak for my federation, which is the IPF. Okay. Um, generally, you will have like your nationals. Yeah. Then you will have the worlds and then you'll, then you'll have your Europeans. Yeah. On the smaller circuit, you'd have like your greater London competitions because um, I'm part of Greater London, right? So, yeah. and I live in London, so it would be Greater London. You'll have like divisionals, and you'll have small, um, smaller competitions that you know majority of people will do yep. to qualify for British. Yep. Okay. And then, obviously, if you win British, you then go to Worlds or Europeans. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, last question. So, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rank your powerlifting and personal training being in sync with your life purpose? Why are you trying to get deep? Because this um, is what we're trying to do out here. <laughs> I, um, I would say an. I would say an eight, an eight, an eight. Because I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm older. My I feel like my life purpose is to look after my husband wherever he is and my children. To me, yeah. that's my life purpose, right? 
is to be an amazing mother, an amazing partner. That's my life purpose. But in terms of, you know, my field of employment and what I do for my passion, um, an eight, because my family will always come before. Perfect. You see, you answer that well. (laughs) 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 All right, tell me, how can anyone get in contact with you? Um, it's my handle on Instagram is five rings fitness, the number five rings fitness, um, UK and yeah, or they could just type in my name on Google and I'll come up. Okay. Okay. So tell me, you said in four weeks, um, so in the future you will be based, yeah, you, you'll be defending your British title. So will you be coming back on to analyze what happened whether you win or lose or are you indifferent at the moment to the invitation did you say win or lose <laughs> see, I, don't see? Even, I don't i don't even know why you said win or lose like why did you say that i love yeah, that i, I love that <laughs> it's how much i win by let's do this so are you gonna we've got our world championships three weeks after oh my goodness so well. we're currently trying to find out if we can go to Sweden because our world championships is in Sweden. Mm. But currently the UK is banned from Sweden because of COVID. Oh, okay. So if they don't change the rules, I will go ham at our <laughs> championship. And if not, we will be very... And if, if we are doing worlds, we'll be very tactical just to do what we need to win. Perfect. So are you accepting the invitation to come on when you win? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. That's good. So we'll be, we're looking forward to that. Definitely, definitely looking forward to that. All right, guys. As I said on the last episode, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not concluding as I normally conclude. I have found something a little bit different, and it's really just concluding the interview that we just had with Terminuga. So essentially, we've got, we have a power lifter who has dabbled in a number of sports. She found that track was something that wasn't paying any dividends but and decided to move on. She then found powerlifting, but before she started powerlifting, she was given a shock of her life by being told, considering her hips, she would never make a good... Is it bodybuilder? Tell me, am I correct? Weightlifter, weightlifter. weightlifter. So then eventually um, she gained a rapport with her coach and then yeah now we have a we're now speaking to a european deadlift record holder 235 kilograms two-time british champion and actually maybe we should have said it now let's just, just let's just put it out there <laughs> three-time british champion <laughs> yeah let's just put it out there so three-time british champion so Yes, guys, um, this was a wonderful, wonderful episode. I, I was looking forward to it. I tried to do my research, but tell me, there's not a lot out there about you, which is a little bit disappointing um, because I really wanted to personalise this interview. But hopefully uh, you found that we did do enough research to know that this we didn't want to make it a generic research. Um, sorry, a, a generic interview. And yeah, we will see you in a few weeks. Until next time, guys, I hope you prefer this conclusion because saying stay safe, stay healthy, like how long can you say that? I'm sure you must be bored of that. So yeah, until next time, guys. (laughs) Bye-bye.